they're little, I mean really little, everyone grows up thinking their family is normal. You know, everyone goes, no, no, just when you're really young. Everyone grows up thinking that the way things are done in your family and in your house is the way that everyone does it. And then you grow up and you get married. Uh, or, you know, or you get married or, or you, you enter into other people's homes and into other people's families and you just realise how weird your family is. You know, everyone has that moment, don't they? All of a sudden when you go to someone's house, uh, you know, you, you're on holiday with someone else and you think, wow, we don't do it like that. Um, Christmas was one of those things for me growing up. I, I have never, until we're married, I've never spent a Christmas just surrounded by extended family. I've never spent a Christmas just with uncles and aunts and cousins. I've always spent Christmas as a kid with all sorts of other people. Now, I mean, we had family um, and we loved our family, but both sides of the families I grew up in were huge right? Huge. And so there was no chance of us ever getting together for kind of a sit-down Christmas meal. Um, we had to, like, have to hire a hall for that. And, and so individual families did their own thing. So my Christmases growing up were surrounded. There was sometimes some family, you know, sometimes a, an uncle that didn't have anywhere to go came. Um, but we spent, uh, we spent Christmas with other families, other small families or families that didn't have anywhere to go. And um, that's who I spent. I remember one Christmas, we had my brother's school teacher uh, for Christmas. This is true. When we're, when we're in primary school, my brother's uh, school teacher was, uh, a, I mean, she seemed old to me at the time, but, you know, she was a young single girl who didn't have any family here. And so my parents just said, well, you can't be on your own at Christmas. And so we spent Christmas with my brother's school teacher, as, as weird as that is. That's just the way we lived. Um, that was normal for me growing up, that kind of living. We're in, uh, deep into a series that we're calling On Purpose, uh, where we're looking at who we are and where we're going as a church. We're looking at who Tide Church is and where Tide Church wants to go. We began the series talking about our destination, our sense of where it is that we want to end up. And we summarise that destination by saying that we want to be a people who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives, following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. We talked about how we get there and we talked about, if you like, what the route will look like on the way to that destination. We identified three key sort of milestones or markers or things that we can expect to see along the way. We said that we'll provide an opportunity for people to experience Jesus through worship, through communion, which we did this morning, and through community. We'll focus on clear, practical Bible teaching, and we'll empower people to serve our community and our world. And again, we saw a fantastic example of that this morning as we packed all of these bags and all of these groceries and other things like that together as a church that will be sent out into the community. And in the last few weeks, we've spent time talking about what kind of people we want to be along the way. Because we've said that church isn't a building. We say this all the time. Church isn't a building. It's not an organization. A church is a community of people. 
You don't go to church. You don't belong to a church. You are the church. And so it's, it's very true to say, um, what is Tide Church like? Well, Tide Church is like us. You know, we are Tide Church. So when you say, what's Tide Church like? It's like us. It's who we are. It's how we live. It's what we do and it's what we say. The kind of people that we are is the kind of church that Tide Church is and will be. And so we've talked about being people who will love people, all people. We've talked about being people who are focused on grace, people who live abundantly in generosity. And we've said that these are all things that marked the life of Jesus. They're all things that that Jesus did. They're a part of who he was. And those behaviours became things that his first disciples, that his first followers, that they followed, they saw in him and they started doing. And those things became really sort of foundational to the early church, to, to who the first churches were, to what kinds of communities those first churches were. And generally, those things are pretty good things. I mean, generally, most people like people who love others, right? Most people like people who are gracious. Most people like people who are generous, who live with a sense of abundance. But, you know, there was one thing that Jesus did. There was one thing that Jesus kept doing that people didn't like so much. One thing that Jesus kept doing that was, that was a little bit awkward to those who were around him. It, it made some people a bit annoyed. It made some people even angry. And yet at the same time, at the same time, it was one of the things that helped the early church grow like crazy. See, Jesus did a lot of things in his life that were different. Jesus was a rabbi. You see that word uh, in the Bible sometimes when you read through it. Jesus was a rabbi, which is a Jewish word for a a religious teacher. I guess he was a little bit like a a, a pastor or a priest or a minister uh, in, in our churches today. He was a rabbi, but he didn't teach like the other rabbis taught. He didn't live like the other rabbis lived. And he definitely didn't hang out with the same kind of people that the other rabbis hung out with. You see, just a bit like ministers or priests or people like that in our community today, rabbis were seen as upstanding leaders in the community. And so it was sort of expected that rabbis were good people And because they were good people, they would hang out with other good people. Rabbis would sort of avoid hanging out with undesirables. They wouldn't want to be seen around those sort of people that could tarnish their reputation, that could make them not look as as upstanding and as morally right and just as they wanted to be and as they wanted other people to see them to be. But Jesus lived very differently to that. Jesus was 
often seen hanging out with the wrong people. In fact, not only was Jesus seen to hang out with the wrong people, it seemed sometimes like Jesus went out of his way to hang out with the wrong people. And he didn't just hang out with them. He went and had dinner with them. He became friends with them. And I'm not talking about once or twice. I'm talking about consistently and deliberately, this is the way that Jesus lived. For example, John tells us a story in his biography of Jesus about a day that Jesus had a a, a conversation, a meeting with a Samaritan woman. It's in John chapter 4, and you might have heard this story somewhere. But there's a really important context to this story. There's like a story behind the story. And that story is that Jews, the people group that Jesus was a part of, that Jews hated Samaritans. They would do anything they can in life to stay away from Samaritans. If you were a good Jewish person, you would never want to be seen hanging around with a Samaritan. In fact, they wanted to avoid Samaritans in their life so much that if you were traveling from Judea, the area in the south, to Galilee in the north, where you had Samaria in the middle, you would walk, literally it's a two and a half day, two and a half day walk, right? But you would walk all the way around Samaria to get to Galilee. But this story happens because Jesus decides to walk from Judea to get home to Galilee, straight through the middle of Samaria. He makes a deliberate decision to do something that everyone else around him would say, a good rabbi would never do that. And not only does he walk straight through Samaria, but he stops to talk to Samaritans along the way. And a female Samaritan at that, like he is breaking all the rules for what a good upstanding person should do. Matthew and Mark and Luke all tell a story about Jesus meeting a demon-possessed man in a cemetery. Pretty crazy story. Uh, You can read about it in all of their Gospels, but uh, Luke 8. Um, And the story begins in Luke 8 with this little line. It's really easy to skip over. It says, they, talking about the disciples and Jesus, uh, in a boat, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. Now, if you're a modern Western reader of this, that just sounds like a bit of geographical, you know, just out of interest, he went from here to there. But there's a really important context behind this. Again, there's a story behind the story. Because that lake that they're talking it's not a little pond, it's a huge body of water. That lake separates the Jewish nation on this side, kind of God's people, the good people on this side, from Gentiles or non-Jews or the wrong people on the other side of the lake. Jews never sailed across that lake. You could go out onto the lake to fish, but you never went to the other side. And this is a story that begins with Jesus grabbing his disciples and saying, we're going on a, I guess a boat trip's a bit like a road trip, right? We're going on a road trip. And they went all the way across the lake to the wrong people on the other side. Again, Jesus makes a deliberate and intentional decision. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Matthew the tax collector. 
We talked about this crazy moment when Jesus approaches a tax collector like the scum of the earth and says, I'm, I'm, I'm putting together a group. I want you to join. I want you, I want you to be part of my inner group of friends. But you know, when Jesus was putting together that group, he also chose Simon. Simon, and there are a couple of Simons, but um, the Simon I'm talking about is a Simon that, that in your Bible is often described as Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a religious group of fanatics. They were violent religious extremists. Today, we would probably call Zealots terrorists. True. And Jesus reaches out to Simon and says, I want you in my group. Luke tells us that hanging out with the wrong people was such a, had become such a sort of common feature of Jesus' life. In Luke 15.2, um, uh, Luke says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, that's the rest of the good people, right? That they muttered, they muttered, you know, under their breath when Jesus walks by, they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This became like a label for Jesus, right? This became like, that's, that's Jesus. You know, he's the guy. He's the guy that hangs out and eats with sinners and tax collectors and those kind of people. That's Jesus. He's the guy that's friends with all those people that you shouldn't be friends with. This is the kind of guy, this is the kind of man that Jesus was. He hung out with people. He deliberately hung out with people who weren't cool. He went out of his way to hang out with people who weren't accepted by other people. He made friends with people who weren't in. And we all know those kind of people, don't we? He set an example that his followers followed. And that kind of living, that kind of way of seeing and behaving around other people became a normal part of what it meant to be a Christian in the first century. The writers and leaders of the early church often talk about this using the word hospitality. Hospitality, going out of your way to welcome and to include people, particularly people who are not like you. Hospitality was welcoming everyone without any kind of favouritism, without any kind of prejudice, but being open and welcome to everyone. One writer, uh, one um, uh, current writer, describes Christian hospitality this way in the Bible. Says hospitality is treating strangers and friends alike. Hospitality is welcoming one another into our homes and into our lives. Hospitality in the Bible was both an outward action and an inward attitude. It was an outward action, welcoming people, spending time with people, inviting people into, into homes. But hospitality in the Bible is also about an inward attitude. It was about how we see other people. 
what we think about when we look at other people, about how we accept people, about how we, uh, how we think about and treat people, not just outwardly, but also in our hearts. This kind of hospitality became a really key part of the way that the first church, the early church, lived. It became a way that the early church became really different from the world around it. It became one of the markers that made people outside the church look at people inside the church and say, wow, they are different. John writes, we ought to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. That's 3 John 8. Paul tells Titus in Titus 1.8, be hospitable. Peter tells the church, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling, that's a good, uh, a good line there. there. Um, Paul, when he wrote to the church in Rome, writes, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Romans 12 verse 13. The writer of Hebrews says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Listen to this. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. <laughs> Paul instructs, an older Paul writes a letter and instructs young Timothy. He says, Now the overseer, which is a word for a leader in the church, the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable and hospitable. He says, this is a requirement for leaders in the church. Leaders in the church need to be hospitable. 1 Timothy 3.2. My, my point with this, these scriptures is that this hospitality was all over the early church. Right? This isn't just one verse. This isn't one little story or idea. We see hospitality. We see hospitality and Christian hospitality as part of the church throughout almost every book of the New Testament. Reaching out, going out of our way, opening your home, welcoming people and including people. This was a key part of who Jesus was and how he lived. It was a key part of how the early church lived. And we believe at Ty that it ought to be a key part of the way that we live today. Jesus went out of his way to welcome and include people, all people. The early church followed his example and we want to follow that example today too. We want to be a church that is open, that is welcoming, that is inclusive, that is warm and friendly, both in terms of our outward actions but also our inward attitude. We want to be a church that is hospitable. We want to be people who others would look at and say they are hospitable people. Look at the way they exercise hospitality as part of the way they live. And I'm not just talking about Sunday. I'm talking about the way we are at home, the way we are with our family. I'm talking about the way we are at school, the way we are at work. We want to be people who look for that kid who's left out at lunchtime. We want to be people who are the first person to welcome someone new at work. We want to be people who reach out 
with friendship to neighbours and people who live close to us. We want to be people who invite that single elderly man to Christmas because you know that he's got no one else to have Christmas dinner with. We want to be people who invite that new immigrant family to dinner as a way to welcome them and help them make connections in the local community. This is the way that Jesus lived. This is the way his followers lived and this is the way that we want to live. And I want to say really clearly, this isn't Christian hospitality is not just something for outgoing people. Right? This isn't just for people who love to cook and entertain. This isn't just for people who are extroverts. In fact, did you know, hospitality is never mentioned in a list of spiritual gifts in the Bible. The, the, the New Testament and the church understood that the Holy Spirit gives to Christians specific individual gifts that are just for them and to be used for the good of the rest of the church. Gifts like um, leadership gifts, uh, speaking gifts, uh, wisdom and healing and some of these things that not everyone has, but that God gives unique gifts to people and says, you know, these, th- this is a gift just for you. This is a gift for you to be used for the common good. And numbers of times in the New Testament, there are lists of these sorts of gifts. Hospitality is never on one of those lists. It's never listed as something just sort of for one people. Hospitality is always listed in terms of things that everyone should do. Hospitality is only ever listed in the context of this is something that all believers, that all followers of Jesus should do. So the question for a follower of Jesus isn't, am I going to be hospitable? Is that for me? The question is, how am I going to be hospitable? Does a difference make sense? The question is, what's hosp- not, not is hospitality going to be a part of my life? The question is, how is hospitality going to be part of my life? So I mean, in my house, my family, we love food. Right? We love to cook, we love to eat, we love to entertain. So if you go into my house, I, like I built the biggest dining table I could possibly fit in the room so that we could feed as many people as possible at the same time. We love to cook dinner for people. We love to invite people into our house for food. I love to cook and, and, and take food to other people. That's part of what hospitality looks like for us. But it'll look different for different people. Other people, hospitality will have nothing to do with food. For some people, hospitality is about large groups and getting big groups of people together. For other people, hospitality is a one-on-one thing. It's about sitting with someone one-on-one and hearing their story and encouraging them and ministering to them one-on-one. For some people, hospitality is about food and meals. For other people, hospitality is about, you know, practical help and getting alongside someone and helping them out. For some people, hospitality is about sitting and listening. About welcoming and praying and, and, you know, it's got that sort of shape to it. And what we want to see in this church is not, this isn't about everyone doing the same thing and, you know, we're not about to start some program that everyone's got to be a part of. This is about asking, what does hospitality look like for you and your life and your family?
Because it's going to look different for each of us. As we said before, hospitality is not an option for a follower of Jesus. Hospitality, in some shape or form, is a must for everyone who says they follow Jesus. It's the way Jesus lived. It's the way his first followers lived. It's the way the church has always lived. And it's the way that we want to live as Tide Church. We have a clear destination as a church. People who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. You know we're on that route because we'll provide opportunities for people to experience Jesus through worship, communion and community. We'll provide clear, practical Bible teaching and we'll empower people to serve in our community and in our world. But as I say every week, none of that means anything if we are not people living the way that Jesus lived. Not in here on a Sunday morning, out there in our homes, in our communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, our sporting clubs, and so on and so on. And that means living open, welcoming, hospitable lives. It means being that person in your school, being that person in your workplace, being that person or that family in your street. It means being that person on the netball team that welcomes other people in, all people. Not just the cool ones, all people. It means being that person that invites other people into your home. It It means being that person that goes out of your way to connect with people. It means being that person that that goes the extra mile to make people feel welcome and at home and accepted wherever they are. That's the kind of people that we want to be. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Because that's the kind of church ultimately that changes people's lives inside the church and outside the church. That's the kind of church that grows. And ultimately, that's the kind of church that impacts the world for Jesus. That's the kind of church that we're inviting you to be a part of at time. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your hospitality toward us that, that you stepped out of heaven and stepped into this place to hang out with people who were not like you. We're the wrong people, right? You know, and you stepped out of heaven to welcome us and to befriend us and to be with us and ultimately to die for us so that, so that we could have life with you, eternal life with you now and forever beyond the grave. And Lord, now we are missionaries, we are We are the carriers of that message, of that hospitality and that grace and that love to the rest of the world. That we can introduce them to a Jesus who loves them, who reaches out for them. Father, I pray for us as a church, every individual sitting in this place and us collectively, that we would increasingly be people who are open and welcoming and inclusive and hospitable. 
that people inside this church and people outside this church, especially people outside this church, would find the people of this church to be welcoming, to be the kind of people that would walk across the room to introduce themselves and to make people feel loved and accepted and included. Lord, bless us and lead us and guide us as we seek to follow you and follow your example. I pray over us in Jesus' name. Amen.